0: When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Dividing tongues, as a fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered as bewildered, because each one had heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not these who are speaking Galileans? And how is that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show, show portents in the heaven above, and signs on earth below: blood and fire, and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved.
1: Good morning, everyone. A chicken walks into a library and up to the desk. "Bo,!" says the chicken. "Bo, book!" So the library, the librarian gives her a book. The chicken leaves with the book and returns ten minutes later. "Bo,!" she says. So the librarian gives her another book. This goes on eight more times. Until finally, the librarian decides to see what's happening with the books. So he follows the chicken out the side door around the corner, down the lane, and onto the green. There he sees the chicken standing at the edge of a pond tossing the books to a frog on a lily pad. The chicken says, Book, book! And the frog replies, Read it, read it. There you go. Well, context helps us interpret sounds and language. Without context, what we hear can be very confusing, can't it? If you heard me say pink, then red, then black, then yellow, you probably wouldn't know what I was talking about. Was I planning on painting something with those colors? But if you hear the same words sitting with me in my front room watching the World Snooker Championship on TV, my words will make much more sense. I don't have a cue, but pink, then red, then black, then yellow. So what we see usually provides the context we need. Seeing the chicken helped the librarian understand what was really going on. But the problem is, not all of us always see the same thing. And in the passage that Abby read so beautifully, Abby, Millie read very beautifully, thank you. The passage that Abby read, the crowds may well have heard of Jesus recently executed, but they would not have seen the empty tomb, nor what the disciples had been through. Hiding in fear of their lives behind locked doors, Jesus standing in the room with them, and here in this passage, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The crowds heard recognizable sounds and words, but without the formative context, they didn't understand what on earth was going on. Their perception? They must be drunk. They thought they must be under the influence of wine or spirits. Well, what are the disciples? It's powerful evidence of the resurrection that a bunch of grieving, frightened, and disillusioned people were so transformed they came out of hiding and started talking about the very Jesus the authorities had just executed. I wonder if they were worried what they'd say as they came out of hiding, or how people would hear them in the noisy, bustling crowds. For Christians in our time, It's still not easy to speak of Jesus with those around us and many shy away from it altogether. We worry about what we will say. We don't want to offend or be misunderstood. We worry about finding the right words. Well, today's passage has some good news for us. We can be encouraged because it's clear that actually it's the Holy Spirit who helps us communicate. Peter was a fisherman. Not a trained motivational speaker. But I notice at least two things which encourage me here. First, Peter starts where they're at with stuff they can see, as Jesus often did. Jesus would say, You see this salt? Or you see that lamp? And he used these everyday things that were familiar and seen to draw attention to important things about God and God's kingdom that could not be seen so easily. In a similar way, Peter starts, These people you see, they're not drunk. Rather, let me tell you. And he goes on to reveal what they haven't yet seen. Lives lived under the influence, not of spirits, not of alcohol, but of God's Holy Spirit. And note also that he starts with these people, but his focus moves on to everyone three times. These are the signs of God's kingdom come that everyone hears of God's saving work in their own language. That God's Holy Spirit is being recently poured out on all people. And that God's rescue is for anyone and everyone. Second thing that encourages me is that Peter is humble, honest, and straightforward. He points away from himself to God. And what God's busy doing. In contrast to our ego culture, with its celebrity TV preachers who love to be seen and associated with powerful signs, Peter makes it clear the signs that the crowds are witnesses are not about him at all. They're all about God and God's purposes. Now signs are only important in terms of what they point to, aren't they? If I'm driving along and I see road signs saying that the road ahead of me is closed, I'm not going to go, oh, what a beautiful signs!" <laughs> of course not. The sign's just there to tell me something's happened ahead. The road's about to close and I've got to turn off and go another way. We just to pay attention to what the sign's telling us and we take action. And similarly, Peter's saying that these signs are pointing to something really important. The resurrection of Jesus and the pouring out of God's Holy Spirit mean that God's kingdom is right ahead now, right there. And there's some action we need to take with this in view. He states clearly and firmly, each of you must turn from your sins and turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you too can receive the Holy Spirit. Remember, Peter is equally clear that these opportunities of God's, of God's rescue and of God's Holy Spirit, are for they're for who? VIPs? Perhaps very religious types only? Maybe just those in some kind of dire need? No. He says it's for everyone. Anyone and everyone humble enough to call out to God and ask for it. So if we haven't done that yet, may I ask, what is it we're waiting for? Because an incredibly exciting adventure is waiting for us. The third thing that encourages me is that as the disciples bravely do the possible, God, by his Spirit, does something most people would think of as impossible. The disciples are heard speaking as many languages as they are our countries represented. How amazing would that be to be part of? And then there's the result. 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow. Can you imagine 3,000 new Christians trying to come to church with us here? I think this should encourage and challenge us who want to see our church growing here at St. Albans. But we need to understand this correctly. The message of this passage is not that if we go and stand and preach to the crowds at Vicarage Road or White Hart Lane, that our church will suddenly grow overnight. It's that the Holy Spirit makes changes, and we need to be under his influence. As the followers of Jesus receive the Holy Spirit he's given them, amazing changes take place. And these changes will impact the nature and growth of the church. Those who naturally are afraid and worried, the passage told us, are filled with courage and inspired to joyfully share good news. Those who naturally are very different from each other and stubbornly opinionated, they are drawn together around shared food, teaching, prayer, and worship. Those naturally selfish, greedy, or just overly worried about finances. There they are selling property in order to take care for those who have needs. And this united, authentic, caring community is attractive. It draws and welcomes and points people to Jesus. Do you know what it's called? Of course you do. It's called church. And who does Peter tell us it's made up of? Let's have a quick look as we come into close. Young and old, men and women, so young people, part of church, older people, key part of church, men and women, people from diverse cultures, languages and backgrounds. All of us together living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, if some of us have brought national flags today, if you've brought your flags, give us a wave. Countries that you've got associations with. I'm constantly amazed in church how much I don't know about people. Natural Russian speaker I learned today. Amazing. Beautiful flags. Thank you. Thank you so much for bringing them. We wanted to see the national flags because, as we're told in Revelation 7 verse 9, this multicultural church, an all-age church, It's a foretaste of heaven. Revelation 7 verse 9 says, A huge crowd of people, too numerous to count, from every background, nation, race, and tongue, were celebrating together around the throne of God, united in declaring the works and worship of God. What an amazing thing to be involved in. Finally, the result of living under the Holy Spirit's influence. Towards the end of the chapter, at Acts 2, There's a deep sense of awe that comes over everyone. We're praising God together and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And there's this thing again of growth. Each day, the Lord added to their number. Now, here's something to think about. If God had not worked through these spirit-influenced people, we at St. Albans would not be here worshipping more than 2,000 years later. It was the birth of the church, wasn't it? And what happened in the following years, they didn't stop. As you've got on the front of your order of service today, there's a map of the people who came at the first Pentecost, but from there, they went to the nations, mainly from Rome, wasn't it? If we want to see our church here at St. Albans grow, God wants to use us, you and me, to do it. To fill us by his Spirit, to come out of lockdown hiding, as it were, and to lovingly share with people, word and action, as we're led, good news of the kingdom of God and our Lord Jesus. We have in our schools and on our doorstep people from many different cultures, backgrounds, and languages, living next door, living across the road. Will we allow ourselves to be moved by God's Holy Spirit to meet them, befriend them, And at the right time, share our Christian life and hope with them. Now, if talking to neighbours or new people is too scary, why not try talking to family members or friends first? Let's ask them. What would church need to look like to make you want to come? What would church need to look like to make you want to come? In closing... Let's go back to our chicken friend. Not scared at all, the chicken, was he? I love the fact that our chicken was so committed to the frog. Eight times she brings the frog a book. In spite of the frog claiming to know it all. Well, let's pray for God's heart of courage and compassion. For grace to not give up loving and serving people and for the spirit of the living God to shine in and speak through us. Amen.